0: Welcome to Salem First Assembly podcast. May this week's message by our guest speaker be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Welcome
1: to First Assembly. We're so glad you're here. I know he's ready to go. We're so glad you're here. You're starting off the journey, and um, let's just take a moment. Can we just pray for them? Can we? Reach your hand. Father, we just, right now, we ask that you would touch um, this family that's before you. Lord, we touch the Browns. Lord, help them as first parents and husband and wife. Strengthen them and touch them. Draw them ever so close. And Lord, I pray as they serve you, may they serve as a team. Serve as a family. And Lord, we pray a great work, a great harvest in the name of Jesus for Bolivia. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. God bless you guys. Amen. Good
2: morning. Good morning. I've been so excited ramping a go. Worship was so good this morning. Did you enjoy worship this morning? Like there's just t- listen, I always love worship, but sometimes I'm just going to be real for a minute. There are times during worship I'm super distracted with a bunch of other stuff, and I feel like everyone else is entering, and I'm not. I don't know if you ever felt that. And then there are some times where it's just like, man, God's presence is here, and you just know it, and there's just something so enjoy. And like, I was the whole worship, I just wanted to get up and start preaching, because I was like so excited. And uh, so I really do. I really did appreciate that. We're just going to share a little bit about our ministry before I dig into the Word this morning. So, so Paul, that's why Polly's up here too, and we'll greet you, and and then uh, and then we'll get into the Word of God this morning. Does that sound good? Um, when we when we think about our 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 ministry, we're Mike and Polly. There's Genevieve and Jonah. You can see them there. You can see them up on the screen, and. And uh, actually, Jonah was super excited. We saw the Costa Rica flag over here. Jonah was born in Costa Rica. So he is, he is American and he's Costa Rican. He's got dual citizenship. And so he's super excited to see his flag here this morning. He's got both flags here this morning. He's like, and the Christian flag. I'm like, all right, good. He's got some straight, so That's good. So his three flags are here. And, uh, and so we serve in Bolivia. We have a privilege. We were in Costa Rica for two and a half years as Missionary Associates, and we went to Bolivia and spent a little over three years there. Just got back at the end of last year. We spent most of the pandemic in Bolivia. We were in total lockdown. We were allowed to leave. The kids weren't allowed to leave for like four months or something like that. We Weren't allowed to leave the house. We were allowed to leave one day a week, For four hours from 8 to 12 on the day that our our ID number corresponded and we were not only allowed to leave on foot. we could not drive a car and so we had to walk and get our groceries and carry our groceries back to our house and it's fun times (laughs) and so we were uh, we were excited when that lifted a little but we were there and God is good no matter what you know that God's faithfulness does not depend on our circumstances. I think as what pastor was mentioning this morning. It's not about that. We look to him. We trust him. And in the midst of these circumstances, he is faithful no matter what. And so sometimes we have to change our mentality to line up with him. (laughs) But he's always right. And so we're in Bolivia, and we do a number of different ministries. And we were really thinking and praying because here's the reality in all of life, especially in ministry but in all of life. There are lots of opportunities and lots of need. And so you have to know what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. There is value in learning to say no. Did you know that? Sometimes you can say the yes to everything and then you're too overwhelmed and you can't do it. And so as we look at the ministries that really intrigue us and interest us and that we really have felt drawn to and like God has called us to, we begin to see a common theme. Our heart is really for the marginalized and the outcasts. When, when Jesus had an opportunity to clear his mission in Luke chapter 4, he began by saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. I was doing a study of the word poor there, and the word poor there is not a reference only to the economically poor. In both the Hebrew and the Greek, it is understood that poor there is really a reference to anyone who's marginalized and outcast. And so Jesus said, these are the very people that I've come to reach. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't interested in reaching everyone. He's interested in reaching everyone. But the point is, it's easy to reach people who are easy to reach. It's easy to reach people like us. But all of a sudden, when when all of a sudden we have to start reaching people who are different from us, who are kind of cast aside, and uh, that's where the challenge comes in. So that's really our heart. And so we have a number of ministries that we do, and we just want to highlight a couple of them. This is just a good excuse for you guys to get to hear from Polly a little bit too. And so uh, we'll just share a couple of those ministries with you.
3: Good morning. Um, so one door that got opened for us while we were in Bolivia is ministry to the deaf. Um, my Both of my parents are deaf. My dad was actually a pastor to the deaf here in New Jersey for 35 years. Um, so we know the need uh, here in America. But... Um, as we were there in Bolivia, God opened our eyes to the need there, and it's it's even greater. Um, we were in the middle of the jungle one time uh, for a church conference, so a very rural area, and uh, a pastor came up to us, and he said, I just need some help. Um, I, he had heard that we work with the deaf. He said, my son is deaf, and we just don't really know what to do with him. His son was in his early 20s, and um, he said he can't communicate. We, you know... Um, He doesn't work. Um, His son had never been to school, didn't know sign language. Parents don't know sign language. So parents with no ability to communicate with their son. And this is a pastor. And it struck me, and I said to him, does your son know Jesus? And he said, no. So a pastor's son who doesn't know Jesus just because he's deaf. And the reality is that there are millions of deaf throughout Latin America who don't—thousands— sorry, yes. millions, okay, yes. millions, um, I don't want to give wrong information, of deaf throughout Latin America who don't know Jesus, not because they can't hear, but because nobody is bringing the gospel to them, and so God really began to burden our hearts for the deaf in Bolivia, and here in this picture, you can see um, that we, we have a lovely uh, group of deaf that we work with out of our church, and we're just working on discipling them, and our desire is to start a church for the deaf. There's one Uh, deaf church in our city um, and we just want to see that grow and uh, uh, it's not a Pentecostal option and we want to give them a Pentecostal option Um, and so yeah just discipling them and pouring into them and we desire to just see some called into ministry themselves and raised up to be pastors and leaders um, in the church there so we're just excited for the opportunities that God has um, has for us with the deaf in Bolivia
2: I'm going to share another ministry, but I'll invite you to step down because otherwise you're just going to stand there for no reason because that was all she was going to say. In this picture, you can see our friend Cinda actually in uh, in the striped shirt in that photo. Uh, she was the one that told us. She said, man, we want, a De- we want a Pentecostal option. There's one church. It's a Baptist church in town. They invite me to preach there. It's the only Baptist church that has ever invited me to go back over and over again. And I keep preaching on the Holy Spirit anyway and keep having me back. So... Uh, I. I try to keep it I try to keep it from causing controversy when I go and preach. but I do I mention the I'm like, look, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to send us out to reach death. And uh, Sina came to our house one day, and then actually when she was having that conversation with us about wanting a Pentecostal option, she told us how she had ended up at the church, and the church that we decided to serve at, she was there. Now there's about six or seven deaf that are, that are part of that, and, and uh, they didn't have deaf ministry, but the pastor just saw the need, and so he hired an interpreter. The interpreter herself wasn't even Christian. I think she's actually come to know Jesus through having to interpret for our deaf, and so we help out there, too. But she was over at our house that day on a Sunday and, uh, and having lunch, and she was eating really slow. I eat really fast. And one of the reasons I eat really fast is because I love dessert. Anyone love dessert? My, my wife can cook. She can cook. But, man, can she bake. And so she had made a dessert that day, and I was like, I'm, like, beginning to salivate, you know. And and so she's just eating really slow. And finally, I was just like, "Hey, just so you know, we have dessert." And she's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm eating. I'm eating too slow." I said, "No, no, take your time." And uh, so anyway, so we we finish. And afterwards, I was talking to my wife, and it dawned on me. I hadn't realized what was going on. What she shared about that pastor. It's actually a very common story. It was actually the story for my for my father in law when he was growing up very common that families cannot communicate with their with their deaf children or deaf siblings or deaf. there's a lot of families that don't learn sign language which is really sad by the way i love seeing the church supports nancy tonnison nancy tonnison uh was in our wedding interpreting for me because at the time i didn't know sign language so uh she's a very dear friend of my family very very close friend with my mother-in-law and so we love seeing that uh But that's just a very common issue that the deaf have. And so what hit me was this. When she's at home, her family does not know how to communicate with her. And when she eats a meal, she said she sits down at the table. It's awkward. She can't participate in the conversation. Just imagine that for a second. What if you were sitting around the table and couldn't understand anything being said? Say it was another language or whatever. That would be awkward. It'd be uncomfortable. So what she does is she eats as fast as she can so she can get up from the table and walk away. She just eats and goes. But in our house, we were signing with her. We were communicating with her. So she was eating slow because she finally got to enjoy conversation at the meal. What dawned on us was this, both literally and figuratively, what we had given her was a seat at the table. Think about that. Are we willing to give marginalize the outcasts? Are we willing to give them a seat at our table? That really challenged us. And so we're very thankful and grateful for what God's doing among the deaf in Bolivia. If you took all the deaf in every country in the world and put them in one group together, they would make up one of the largest unreached people groups in the world. Uh, And what is interesting is they actually are more identified to their deaf culture than they do their national culture in many circumstances. So while every country uses their own sign language, it's a question we get a lot. So I just give this as information. Every country uses their own sign language. It's not the same from one country to another. But the culture is so similar. In fact, as soon as they find out that my in-laws are deaf, they immediately welcome us in. Say, you're part of us. You understand us. And uh, and so it's really great opportunity. Another ministry that we work with in Bolivia is a lot with kids. That's another area where there are a lot of kids who are just kind of pushed aside, especially kids in impoverished communities. We work with Child Hope being a sponsorship ministry uh, where we give kids access to education. And we give them food. We help them with uh, medical needs and things of that nature. But more important than anything else, we give them an opportunity to know Jesus. Studies say that education is the number one way for someone to leave poverty, which makes sense and is true. But we know that ultimately, really, Jesus is the number one way. And so we give them that opportunity. I think I have a picture, if I have one there, of me talking to a bunch of kids. It's one of my one of my favorite schools. I like to go to. This was actually right before the pandemic hit, so I got to be there. This is this is probably one of the last photos of me and a group of people, uh, not social distanced, so <laughs> of, of, of a group quite that size. Uh, and they have not gotten back to school in Bolivia yet. Everything's still online, so. This was a unique one, but this was February of last year. And uh, in this particular school, we are talking about the Petitionics earlier. Of course, they worked with Child Hope in Bolivia as well, and they worked in this school too. This is a school right near a prison. It's about a block away from a prison. And actually, some of the kids in our school used to live in that prison. It used to be, now thank God they've changed the law, but it used to be that dad went to prison. The whole family moved in with them and so they would actually leave prison come to our school go back they've changed that so now only up till five years old can you live with your mom in prison but beyond that you can't but what happens is the family still has to move near the prison because that's how the the people in prison actually get their stuff the government doesn't give them a, a whole bunch so they get they bring them food they bring them their different needs so they move there and uh, man are they are they kind of ostracized by their friends and stuff. So those are the prisoner kids and all that stuff and and uh so we love working with this school and actually we got to go into that prison uh, it was a big dream of mine. I finally got to go in a couple years ago. I took a team with me from Connecticut. We went into that prison together. We talked to some of the dads of some of the kids in our school. We gave them Bibles. And while we were there, we actually also got to encounter a friend of ours, Mary, who had been wrongfully thrown in 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 prison just because someone wanted her her a piece of property her husband owned. And so someone paid off the DA, and she went into prison. And she just happened to be there when we were there. She's a Christian. Um and uh, and so we had a Bible with us, so we gave Mary a Bible because someone opened the door for us to be able to see her while we were there. We gave her a Bible, and actually after she got out of prison, I call her. I said it, it was exactly like the Bible I'm holding in this picture. We gave a we had two thousand of those Child Hope had donated that we gave to the kids. Very easy to read translation, plus has cartoons inside. I'll ask the kids, I say, who's been reading your Bible, and you get a couple of them. I said, who's been looking at the comics in your Bible, and all the hands go up in the chair and goes. So it's a it's an opportunity, and uh, so we gave her one of those. And and we said, uh, I said, Mary, Mary, tell me about the Bible, because, you know, those were donated. I just want to have a story. How did the Bible bless you while you were in prison? Because I know it was a hard time. And so that we know that the Word of God brings hope. Amen? There's power in the Word of God. And so... She said, actually, it's a really cool thing. She said, while I was there, I was working in an office with other women in the prison, and and they saw my Bible. They said, Mary, leave your Bible in the office so we can read it too. She said, women began reading the Bible who had never read the Bible before. One woman told her, she said, I've tried to understand the Bible. I've never understood it, but I understand this one. She said, when I was getting ready to leave prison, they said, listen, Mary, you can get another Bible on the outside. Leave that one here with us. And she said to me, when I talked to her on the phone that day, she said, when I go back next week, they've asked me to bring notebooks because now they're copying the scriptures down to bring it back to their cell with them. Because Mary saw the value. While other people might push them aside and say, they're just leeching off of prison. Yeah, they're just problem issues. Do they matter? Do they even have value? But Mary looked at them and said, I see their value. And she shared, think about that. I mean, if I were in prison, the Bible would be the number one thing I'd want to have with me. And to share that with other people, how selfless. And so we're super excited to do that. We get to work with kids in a number of other ways. Actually, another one of our favorites is, uh, is we have uh, some some friends of ours who, who planted a church near the city dump in our city, Cochabamba. And... Uh, it's right next to the dump. It's a very impoverished community. And uh, and a, f- a few years back, probably four or five years ago now, uh, the mom of my friend, he, she, had, she had a piece of property, and so they used it to do just a Christmas event. And they invited kids, and 15 kids showed up. And and so they said, hey, let's do another one and another one. And eventually out of that, they said, let's just plant a church. So it's a church they planted just for kids. Uh, if the adults want to go to church, they have to go in the afternoon. They get adult class time, right? But the kids are the ones that show up in the morning, and the kids come by themselves. They'll walk. They'll grab their little brother and sister's hands, and they walk to church together. Last year during the pandemic, a lot of the issue was food. How do you eat, right? Because it's a society where if you don't work today, you don't eat today. So a lot of people were going hungry, and so we were able to donate food. And by the way, that works too. In that way with trusting God with your finances, we were trying to give some of our mission, funds away, we're like, hey, we got to use this stuff. To buy We canceled so many other things. Like, let's just buy food for people. We couldn't give away our missions funds fast enough before churches were replenishing it. So we were giving away food. God had already replaced it. So we gave away food in another city. God had already replaced it. So we gave away food in a third city. We're like, we're just trying to get rid of this money. And uh, between Child Hope and our missions funds, we probably gave away over $20,000 worth of food last year by the grace of God. And, and one of them was in that community with those kids. And he said, we went and delivered the food to the families of these kids he said we had no idea how far away some of them lived how far away they walk to church every sunday these kids and they come and they get a snack and they get the word of god and all that stuff we went there we visited there before uh before we came home we came home just in november the very end right after thanksgiving we came home so in november of last year we visited that church they have 140 kids showing up on sunday morning now how cool is that All because they saw value where other people didn't. All because, because see, there's some who don't want them. You know, not them particularly, but I talked to someone else who who had a similar heart and idea, and they were told by a leader within the church, don't do it because kids can't tithe. So don't even do it. What a terrible concept. God provides. God provides. I don't know if this church is involved in BGMC at all. Um, but BGMC being what kids give, uh, to missions and, and uh, we were able to use BGMC funds to buy a hundred Bibles to give to those kids at that church so they could have their own copy of the word of God. Isn't that awesome? What God's doing. And that's because kids sacrificed and gave. So when you say that about kids giving too, so true, got to teach our kids to give and, uh, and God will always bless us. We live that in our own life. And, and, and a little secret about that with missionaries, even though we go, we believe in the same thing that, that, that we teach. We support other missionaries too. Most, In fact, the first, the first people that ever supported us as missionaries were missionaries. And they're missionaries that your church supports. So anyway, because uh, we saw them back there. But I think that's so cool because it's just when we see that it's about his kingdom and not our kingdom, we all win. Amen. Let's just pray and dig into the word of God together. God, I just thank you for who you are, for all that you've done. I pray that you just be with us in these next, you know, few moments as we look into your word, that you would challenge us by your word. You'd be glorified in and through us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are going to dig into the word. It's not going to be super long. You're looking. He's like, he's just getting started. This is a problem. No, no, no. Chill out. I don't know what time you normally get done around here, but... You'll be done by at least three thirty, so um, we'll get that done. Uh, in in Bolivia, if you fall asleep while the pastor's preaching, the the the, the deacons will go over and wake you up. And uh, I said, "Man, you don't have to wake them up." And my buddy said the same. He's like, "Listen, if you've fallen asleep while I preach, then I didn't do my job. It's my job to keep you awake." Um, so I'll try to keep you awake this morning in Mark chapter 12, just to kind of launch from here, Mark 12, 13 to 17. There's an interesting story, uh, that really challenges my heart. It says Mark 12, 13 to 76, and they sent to him, him being Jesus, some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him. Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you're not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him they brought him a denarius which was a coin and they i love what jesus says there he says whose image and inscription is this it's interesting because i think sometimes we can look at this passage and 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 it makes us think of you know pay your taxes give your tithes and listen both of those things are true okay we have to give our taxes and uh, the government can trick us all they want into the stimulus money. I said, I said we're taking the, the kids' portion of this next stimulus check and put it in their savings. I was like, they're going to have to pay this back someday. I need to give them a, a, a head start in being able to pay their own stimulus back someday. So, um, And we have to pay our taxes, and that's fine. That's all fine and good. And, and we have to give our tithes. And in our own life, I remember when we made the most money, my wife and I, we made the most money that we ever made combined together. We had bad tithing habits and man, did we struggle to pay bills when we made significantly less money, but always put God first. We never struggled. Isn't it amazing? God's economy is just different. So those things are true, but I don't think that's the point of this passage. I think we get lost in it. Sometimes if we want to look at it this way, he said, he said, Give to Caesar what Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. What is God's? What is is he pointing us to in this passage? Now, the easy thing to say is everything is God's. And you know that's true?
4: (laughs) You know, I am the owner of nothing. I don't own anything. We tell that to our kids with their toys. We say, you better be a good steward of that toy. Everything you have is because God has allowed you to have it. I don't own
2: anything. I'm a steward. I'm a, uh, that's, that's all I am. I'm an administrator of what God has allowed me to have. And so there's truth in that. But I still don't think that's what Jesus is saying here in and, and studying and researching and digging. What I believe is this. I believe that Jesus gave us the clue about what we're supposed to think about when we think of what is God's by his answer about why that coin was Caesar's. Why was it Caesar's coin? Because it had his image on it. So that which is God's is going to have God's image on it. Genesis 1 tells us that God created us in his image and likeness. So so basically, what I believe really is going on here, it's basically like saying, hey, listen, you can give that coin to Caesar, but you give your life to God. It's not just about all we have. It's also about who we are. That's the purpose for which we were created, to worship God.
4: Paul refers to it as a living sacrifice. So, so basically, when we call on the name of the Lord and we're saved, what we're really doing is we are offering ourselves back to God as a sacrifice, saying, God, here I am. I am yours. I am
2: no longer my own. See, we, we, we cut it short when we only think about how everything's God's, but we forget that we are part of that everything. So it's not just God, you can do what you want with my money. God, you can do with you, what you want with my stuff. But it's also God, you can do what you want with my life. Are, are, are we willing to live for him and to let him really be in control of our life? Because I think that's ultimately what this really comes down to. We can give that coin to the, the government. But man, are we willing to give ourselves to God? And, and so because of this, I very much look at us like coins. We're a room full of coins today. I, I think that it's a great image because Jesus used that image. We're going to jump into that passage in a second. But, but, but it's as though we're all coins. And on the face of our coin, that is us, is the image of God. We were created in his image. And you know, that's where our value comes from. Our value is 100% tied to the fact that God created us in his image and likeness. That's what separates us from the animals. Don't tell that to PETA, but we're different. We were created in his image. We had someone from PETA that used to come to our work, and she had all these stickers on the side of her car. I'm, I'm for treating animals well. I'm not for mistreating animals but she had these things that said your lunch was murdered and i was like man i hope so (laughs) it'd be really awkward if it was still alive but um but that's what separates us we have value and you know what's amazing is we all have the same value no one is more valuable and no one is less valuable listen i love my kids but but my kids
4: don't deserve anything more than these little kids in bolivia I I want them to have the best in their life. But they're not more important to God than those kids. See, we all have the same value in
2: the eyes of God because we were all created in the same image. That's our value. So we're like coins and we have value. I I have a quarter with me. I don't like to carry around change. This is my wife's Aldi quarter. So if I don't give it back to her, I'll be in trouble. This is how she gets her cart at Aldi. This is, uh, this is a quarter. This quarter is worth how much? 25 cents. And only because the government tells you it is. It doesn't really have the silver backing that it wants to. But anyway, it's worth 25 cents. Let me ask you a question. How much would this quarter be worth if it were lost? 25 cents. Think about it. Always people say nothing. So this is the normal. That's what I'm expecting. But think about it. The quarter doesn't lose its value just because it's lost. Neither do people. The value isn't tied to whether or not the quarter is lost or not. Quarter underneath the couch, cushion on the couch, is still worth 25 cents. So what's the problem for a coin that's lost? If it's not a question of value, the problem is that it can never fulfill the purpose for which it was created. It can never be spent and that's the same with people. See, because of sin separating us from God, we were all lost. We have a world of lost coins all around us. They're still lost. But hear me. We need to remember they haven't lost their value. Because if we fail to see their value, we won't care about seeing them saved. That's the problem. The problem is we oftentimes look at people for their problems and not for their value. We even name them that. Oh, he's just a drunk. Oh, no, she's just gay. No, he's just a prostitute. You know, we just call people by their sins. That's not who they are. Who they are is created in the image of God. Who they are is valuable. And you know how we we know that
4: they're valuable? Because the Father sent His Son to die on the cross for them, to die on the cross for us. It was while we were yet still sinners
2: that Christ died for us. Yeah. Jesus didn't die for perfect people.
4: Jesus died to perfect people. Yeah. And we need to get that straight. Because as soon as we start looking at people for their problems and their issues, we fail to see their value. And if we fail fail to see their value, we'll never care whether or not they fulfill their purpose. And they were created with a purpose, which was to worship their creator. We have lost coins all around us.
2: Are we willing to see their value? And actually, I love it because Jesus uses this same example in Luke chapter 15, verses 8 to 10 is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Luke 15:8 to 10 says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know, the day that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there was a party going on in heaven. How cool is that? But there's still so many who don't yet know. There's so many who have never been able to, in an act of worship, give themselves back to their creator. That's what salvation really is. It's us saying, what is baptism? Baptism. It's it's a symbol that we have died to ourselves and now we're alive in Christ. It is is no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. Right? And so it's this whole concept of giving ourselves to him. That's what salvation is. It's recognizing that I'm not my own Lord. He is the Lord of my life. And, And so there's still so many who are lost around us. But Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So I was thinking one day, who am I in that story of the lost coin? And and what I realized is this. I'm going to be very clear. I like to be very clear about this because I don't like when people over-allegorize parables and stuff. I don't believe I'm really in the story, okay? Because I've already been found. So I'm not with the lost coin. And I'm not the woman because the woman represents God. In fact, there are three straight parables. There's the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost sons, plural. (laughs) Not only one of the sons were lost in that story. Both of them were lost in that story. But Anyway, they all work together, and God is represented by the shepherd, by the woman, and by the father in each of those stories. And, And so God is the only one. That's to say this. God is the only one who can find the lost coin and save them. You know that? We can't save people. Have you accepted that yet? I can't save anybody. It's actually good news for people that their salvation is not based on me, right? Especially people who drive in front of me in traffic. <clears throat> I, have, I have come to realize I'm the only person in the world who knows how to drive correctly. The only one, yep. I don't trust anyone else anymore. That is the time more than any other. I, I kid you not, I'll be driving, especially in Bolivia. I'll be driving and I'll be getting so angry and my wife, literally, she will look at me And she will say, they have value. I'm like, ah, I know. They have value in God's eyes. The problem isn't whether or not they have value in God's eyes. Do we see their value too? So they are lost coin. So I don't think I'm necessarily really represented in the story, but hear me. That doesn't mean that I haven't read into it a little bit and, and figured it out because I was asking, what, who am I in this story? And this is what dawned on me. So again, this is not necessarily original to the parable, okay? But I think you're going to agree with me. It works, okay? It fits. Who do I identify with in the story of the lost coin? Think about it. Ready? We're the broom? It doesn't say there was a broom, but it says that she sweeps. Where I'm, where I'm at, when we sweep, we sweep with a broom, okay? Unless you've got one of those fancy little robot vacuums, but I use a broom still. Think about it. What better represents Christians than an instrument in the master's hand as he searches for lost coins? That's all I am. I can't find the lost coin, but... I can be used by God as he finds them. I can't save people, but I can be part of someone's salvation story because of the grace of God. He can use me. I think sometimes we, we, we get it all mixed up because we, we think that we get to decide where we go and what we do as a Christian, and we don't. You know why we serve in Bolivia because that's where God decided to sweep with us because he said there are lost coins still in Bolivia and I want to use you to sweep there are you willing to go we can't just make decisions based on need if we decided based on need we never have left home because you know there are needs all around us you know there are people in southern Jersey who still need Jesus There are people in Philly who still need Jesus. There's not a place in this world where there isn't still a need. Though it is true that there are people who have a whole lot less opportunity and have heard a whole lot less. Some have never heard a pastor's son who has never heard the gospel message just because he's deaf. But God looked and he said, I love them. I care about them. And I'm going to use you. To reach them. It's a beautiful thing. We're not worthy to be used by God. That's a privilege that we have of being Christians. He chooses to use us. He could do it without us, but that's not what he chose to do. He chooses to use us. That is a privilege. He chooses to use us by going, whether it's to another country or whether it's to the grocery store, we have a responsibility to share the good news. He chooses to use us by praying. Not only do we pray for missionaries, which, by the way, that is the the most important thing that you do. There are moments when the only reason we keep going is because we know someone's praying for us. But hear me are you praying for each other too? Are you praying for the other people in this church as they go forth into their marketplace, as they go forth into their school? Are you praying that God would use them and give them the grace? Because you know what? You guys need each other's prayer too. That's the beauty of community. Are you praying for your pastor? He chooses to use us by giving. Like I already said, as missionaries, we give too. And, And and there are steps of faith involved in that. I, I, had, I had someone reach out to me recently, and they said, hey, could you support us, you know, for missions? I was like, man, we just picked up new missionaries. I can't really do anything else. Our, our budget is maxed out. We've already been trying to support more than what we can probably really do on our own. And, and yet, then all of a sudden, God put on our heart someone else that was a missionary, and we reached out to them and said, listen, we just got to partner with you in this. I believe in what you're doing. God wants to use us in the process, in our giving, in our praying, in our going. We're in this together. We can never do it on our own. But you know, the thing about a broom is, a broom doesn't have always a nice job. Think about it. The broom gets a dirty job. The broom is what cleans like under the stove. Can't think of too many places dirtier than that under the fridge. The only place I can think dirtier than that is around my kid's seat at the dinner table. And the only place slightly dirtier than that is around my seat at the dinner table. The broom is used to kill spiders. <laughs> the broom is used for a lot of things. It's not usually very pleasant the job of a broom. But here's the key. It's not about the broom. It's not about the broom. It's about the master. God will call us to do things that are uncomfortable. God will call us to do things that are just straight tough. Have you ever walked with someone to Jesus? It is not a clean, happy, happy road. There is joy, but there is drama too. People got issues. I know because I'm a person and I got issues. And I've been at it for a while and I still got issues. There are people, you know those people who no matter what, they always bring drama to a conversation? You know those people? If you don't know someone like that, you are that person, so you better be thinking of someone like that. Better be finding someone. I got a phone call once a couple years ago. My phone was ringing, ringing, and I looked at the name. You know that person? You have to decide, am I going to answer this or not? Do I have three free hours? Because this is going to be a while. The people that you got going to start to try to hang up with them as soon as they call. Because you know they're not going to respect the first 25 times you say you got to go. And that's exactly what, um, I kid you not. It was that person. Like, I would only call. Finally, one of my relatives, a relative of mine. One of one of my siblings, I think it was, told me. He said, you know what the key is? It says, these are the two times you can call. Call right before you're going into the tunnel where it's going to cut it off anyway. Or... Or I happen to know that she works in sound ministry at her church, and she has practice every this night of the week at this time, so you call five minutes before that. So that's good that's good stuff. So this person called me, and it's that person who, no matter what, you're gonna hear drama. You know what I'm talking about? And I just I'm not in the mood, pretty much ever. Like, like I one time had to call a shop for a transmission because this person was helping us out, and the person on the phone, the transmission place, about this family member, said, "You need to get that person help," and started telling me all these stories. I'm like, "A random stranger? You've heard all this drama now too?" Yes, absolutely, I have," he said. "Oh, that's, I love her. I love her to death." but that night I was just not in the mood. And so I was watching my phone ring. I was like, I don't think I'm going to answer it. And God spoke to my heart and said, but she has value. It's not for us to decide if it's inconvenient because it's not about us. Can I tell you, moving overseas is inconvenient, but it's not about me. Leaving your family's inconvenient, but it's not about me.
4: Giving up finances for missions isn't easy, but it's not about us. I'm not comfortable talking to people. It's not about you. We have to stop making ourselves the subject of the sentence because it's not about us. Who cares if it's inconvenient for us? Because at the end of the day, our responsibility is to glorify Him who is, as we sang this morning, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's about Him.
2: Sometimes it's a rough job. I'm not going to lie but thank God that someone was willing to walk with us through our drama and our issues and our problems too to help us come to Jesus. Someone took their time to share with me. How selfish would it be for me not to share that with others? And listen, I'm not perfect in this, but hear me. There are lost coins all around us. And they have value, but they still don't know what their purpose in life is. And we have a responsibility to share that with them, that they have a purpose to worship their creator and give themselves back to him in an act of worship. We need to start looking at people for their value and not for their problems, as I said. You know what's interesting? I'll wrap up with these thoughts. But what's interesting is, see how I snuck that in? I said these thoughts, not this thought. Anyway. What's interesting is when we, when we look at people because of their problems, what we're doing is accusing them. You know, when we accuse people, we're doing the wrong job of the wrong person in the Bible. And I'm not saying don't stand for what's right. Listen, stand for what's right. We can call sin, sin. I'm against that whole mentality movement of we're going to pretend things aren't sin. No, sin is sin. But let's not only point out other people's sin. We have, we have our own issues we're working through. But when we accuse people, we're doing the wrong job with the wrong person in the Bible. I want you to imagine with me, this is the throne. You know, someday we're going to stand before the throne where God the Father is going to be our judge. And imagine with me that we're before the throne. And the way as we read in the Bible, this is just the imagery I get in my mind, is Satan, or the Satan, the adversary, will be accusing us and he's going to throw every accusation. You know what's the crazy thing? Even though he's the father of lies, he doesn't even need to lie about my long list of issues. You know what I mean? I got plenty of sins. He can just say what they are. (laughs) He doesn't got to make them up, and he can accuse me. And that's what's going to happen, I believe, that day, is he's accusing me, accusing me, accusing me, But the good news of the gospel is that we have a great lawyer, an advocate in Christ Jesus. And for every accusation that Satan hurls against us, Jesus will be here to say, but I took that one. But I paid for that one. But I shed my blood for that one. That one has been paid for. And the Father in that glorious day, because we're in Christ Jesus, will declare us innocent. Are, are, are we just going to accuse people for their sin, deride them for their sin, look at them for their problems, or are we going to point them to the great lawyer? Because there's the good news for us when we're in Christ Jesus. This is what I envision when I say we're in Christ Jesus. The Father no longer sees me. He sees Jesus surrounding me. Whew, is that good news? Are we willing to share it with others? Are we willing to be the broom and say, God, here I am. Use me to seek and to save the lost. Use me, even if it's a messy job, even if it's inconvenient, even if
4: it's not what I really want for myself. It's not about me. It's about you. So for your glory, for your name's sake, spend me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Missionaries years ago used to pack their coffins because they didn't know if they would come home alive again. But what they recognized was it wasn't about them. It's not about me. Is it hard? Listen, in the middle of a pandemic, in a moment last year that we went through where we lost a baby, my wife was pregnant, we lost our baby. And we wanted nothing else than to have family around us. Is it tough? You bet it's tough. But it's not about us. And it's worth every moment. And it's no tougher for me than it is for you, for anyone else. We all have sacrifices we have to make in the kingdom. Because the
2: sacrifice ultimately is this. I die. So that he lives in me. I die to myself. I'm not promoting Mike Brown. I'm promoting Jesus Christ.
4: Is he worth it? Are we willing to be the broom? Can he sweep with us? Are we willing to say whatever it takes?
2: If you want me to stay in southern Jersey, I'll stay in southern Jersey. If you call me to Iraq, I'll go to Iraq. Whatever it is, Lord, here I am. Use me.
4: Let's stand up. God, I just
2: thank you for who
4: you are. I thank you that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. I thank you, Jesus, that you are our great lawyer. You're our great advocate. And you paid the price for us. You paid a debt that you
2: didn't know and I owed a debt that I could not pay. But you, Jesus, came and washed my sins away. Help me, help everyone here, help us to be the broom. Help us to be instruments in your hands. It's not about us. Our sacrifices are different, but we all got to sacrifice. Because as human beings, our desire is to serve self. But in your kingdom, you call us to be selfless. Help us to be willing, God. To spend ourselves back to you as an act of worship, constantly reminding ourselves that it's about you. I thank you for the privilege and the joy that we have to be called your sons and daughters, to have value in your eyes. Knowing our issues, you chose us. And there are still so many who have yet to hear. Some because they're deaf, some because no one yet has stood in their village to share.
4: But even those around us who still don't know, there are lost coins in our families. And sometimes it's inconvenient and uncomfortable and we don't want to deal with it. But God, remind us of the value that they have in you. Thank you, God, that you did not
2: have that attitude with us, that you were willing
4: to send your only Son, Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, That you were willing to take that cup, to take our punishment, to shed your blood for us. I pray, God, for
2: everyone here in Jesus' name, that you would show them their value in you. Maybe some here have heard lies from the enemy that says that they're not worth anything that they don't have value but God we know your word says that's not true they have value right now in Jesus name I pray that you would supernaturally hug and love on those who have those feelings of lack of value those who are living in guilt I pray that you'd bring them freedom because whom the sun sets free is free indeed today God, I pray that you would show us all what you're to do with us as we pray, as we give, as we go, as we we make it about you and not about us. Show us all individually what, what we can bring to the table. God, I pray that we would empty ourselves and give ourselves to you. May I be an obedient instrument in your hands, God. Use me. Use me. Use us all. Thank you for the privilege and the joy and the honor that it is to be yours. In Jesus' name.
1: Thank you, my brother. That was a really good challenge to recognize that the people have value and that we're brooms to do the work of the Lord. I don't care how old you are or how young you are, you have work to do. And we need to keep that focus on the work, not on our situations or our circumstances, but opportunities all there. I'm just a broom. I want to be a wide broom, cover a little bit. You have those small little whisk brooms, you know? They're good for killing spiders. How about a big giant broom? How big is your broom? How big do you want your broom to be for the work of the Lord? Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. Let's ask God to help us to be the best servant possible, that we leave these doors as we go into a mission field. Not fleeing from His presence, but going with His presence. Not leaving the presence of God, but wherever you are, so is He. Just remind yourself that your faith promised cards, if you filled them out yet, you want to place them in there, or your tithe, the buckets at the end there. And let's really believe God for some great work. And let's believe God for, as we celebrate missions in the next two more weeks, so we just hear from all different voices and just all God is doing. We're so glad that you guys are here today. We so enjoyed your ministry. I know I so enjoyed your ministry and I'm really speaking on behalf and feeling that like they did too as well. And uh, glad to, to see, meet the whole family as well. And you do have some great kids. I know we pray for them, but continue to pray for them. Get one of their prayer cards on the way. Can I just send you out there if you can kind of, if they have any questions maybe for you. You can tell them about all your potatoes that you have in Bolivia. How many, how many potatoes are actually in B- Bolivia? Do you know how many? I believe, I'm going to go for my thing, I want to say there's over 120-something, there's that many potatoes. That's what I've been told from one of my friends that served there. There's a lot of potatoes. A lot of potatoes. They should have potato guns out in Bolivia. <laughs> Let's go before Father. The altars are always open, and we've been challenged about souls. And if there's one thing that the Church of God needs a renewal of heart, is seeing everybody, everybody has value. Everybody has value. The altars are always open. If God has placed a particular person in your family, or you're looking for a God to save and touch a particular person in your family, a friend, co-worker, whatever, it's a good time to go before the altar and say, God, help me to be the best. Room, so i can help you save this lost coin that has great value let me put a blessing upon you father we are grateful for this time together we're grateful for the challenge to realize that all of us have value and the value comes from you and lord help us and we we'll continue to remind those who are different than us have value that you have created them. Lord, help us to live our life to be salt and light, illuminating your word, and may the gospel penetrate heart and hearts. And God, will you bless each one here, touch, help, strengthen, guide, and provide all that they need as they put their hands to the plow and serve you with all their heart, mind, and soul. We ask this, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at SalemFirstAG.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.